Today's scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 10. Again, that's Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 10. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. It's amazing as we move on from season to season, and we also have a witness of people who have weathered the seasons whether it be for 50 years as they triumphed and as they weathered 50 years of marriage and as they celebrate tomorrow, or whether we as well are moving from season to season, we see in this period, in this time, we are also, as a people, as a generation, moving on from season to season, whether it be politically, whether it be socially, economically, or maybe even yourself. You know, you have a life stage, and some people move on from season to season. What we want to see here today is that Joseph, as we move on in the book of Genesis, is also moving from season to season. Before, when we first read about Joseph, he was this bratty little boy, a tattletale, uh, who would literally in the end, uh, get stitches because he was a snitch. And that he would be sold off into Egypt. And then all of a sudden, we had this break of Judah last week. And the question might arise like, wait, I thought we were talking about Joseph. Why Judah? But it's important to see that we go through Judah first and not skip it so that you can see a parallel of what's going on with Judah's life and Joseph's life. It's set side by side for a reason. We are set to the stage of Joseph right after hearing about Judah's failures and shortcomings. And we see that even here parallel Judah's life and Joseph's life, while subjected to similar forces, had almost completely different and opposite outcomes. So we go to verse 1. And in verse 1, it says, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him. 
from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. So we go from Joseph's life being sold to now bought. So Joseph is now bought. But in verse 2, there is a precursor before you hear anything else. And that is the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And Joseph became really successful. Um, It wasn't common or it wasn't uncommon that when you had a slave in Egypt at the time, they would put the most capable person as head of the house. And historically, now we are finding that a lot of times these Egyptian slave masters or owners or very powerful people would put Asian people as the head of the house because they saw that they had a lot of capability. So when, you, when archaeologists find up and dig up findings, they see a lot of these names are like Asian names and Joseph, if you didn't know, is Asian. Um, and so he was capable. Potiphar put him on top of his whole household. In fact, in verse 3 it says, Potiphar knew why, though. It wasn't because he was Asian that he was successful. You might be thinking, oh yeah, historically thinking, historically speaking, yeah, Asians, they know how to handle and organize stuff. We're the first people to wear calculator watches and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't the case. In the Bible, we see that Potiphar even knew that the Lord was with Joseph, and it was the Lord that caused him to succeed. And so Potiphar put him overseer of everything. In fact, he didn't have to think about anything except what he wanted to eat. So imagine having a great, very bountiful, amazing household. There's nothing, everything that you do keeps on growing. And there's nothing you have to worry about except one thing. It's like, what do you want, what do you want for breakfast? Uh, you know, today I'll have 12 eggs and some spam, and some little kochujang. You Asians bring kochujang, right? And so he might have said something like that. And that's all he had to worry about, all he had to worry about. That's how successful he was when Joseph was managing his house. And the Lord, we see here, continued to bless everything that Joseph touched. So he left everything in Joseph's charge. And as we continue on with the story, there's a little paragraph break, even though... There isn't a verse break. And this break is important because it says, now in verse 6, it says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was a hottie. He was good looking. He had the 12 pack, whatever it is these days that people want, right? And he had things that I guess people would envy and covet. Um, In the Bible, there are very few times when a guy is handsome in form and appearance a lot of times the women are handsome and beautiful and in form, but there are a few times, like Joseph is one and David's another, but almost all the time when you're handsome in form and appearance, which everybody aspires to be, and we talked about this, even when we go to the highest academic levels of schooling and thought, places like Harvard, counselors would come up and say, you know what people worry about? People don't worry about grades, they worry about if they're hot or not. They want to be hot more than anything. And so even though we aspire to be hot and good looking and sexy, almost every time when we see this, mm, nothing good comes out of it. In fact, something bad comes out of being too hot. 
It's a struggle that I don't have, so it's okay for me. <clears throat> and the very next verse says, after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. It's the same verses that, that Judah or Shechem, they would cast, they lift up their eyes. Literally, it was she lifted up her eyes and saw Joseph. And immediately we see lust. And then when she goes to Joseph after looking at Joseph, he was apparently so hot that she couldn't contain herself. And she said, lie with me. Literally, the words are sex me. That's it. That's all it was written. But it was so forceful, such a command and imperative. Like you're telling someone, this is, this is, this is it. This has to be done. You will obey me. So you would use that kind of tone. Shikba imi, which means sex me. And then it literally means you better sleep with me right now. <clears throat> and later on it says Joseph refused. Joseph refused by saying, Behold, because of my master, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he put everything that he has in my charge, and he continues to go on. This is how I know that Potiphar's wife was probably hot as well. If you're a guy, you might be able to relate. If you're a guy and a girl comes on to you and says, sex me, or anything to that effect, right? If some girl comes on to you, if she is not pretty, what would you do? You'd be like, whoa, get, get away, dirty, it's terrible. It's like, and then you'd have like shivers, oh, no. And then that's how normal guys would react. But well, how would a guy react? How would a guy react? How is, how is this a, as a reaction? It's like, have sex with me right now. And then your reaction is, behold, <laughs> I cannot dishonor my master. He has put everything. So it's almost as if, as, it's almost as if Joseph is now speaking and telling himself as well as the other party, this can't be done. Now, this is something that we don't see today at all, at all. Who does that? Who does that? Who gets to their laptop or computer at two in the morning and points at the screen and go, behold? <laughs> Who looks through their Instagram and sees something and says, behold, I cannot do this? Who does that? And yet, we see here Joseph responding in a way that is almost foreign to every single thing culture and society will tell us. They will tell us it's impossible. And in fact, if you try, you're stupid. And he responds by saying, behold, because of me, my master has no concern or anything. But in the end, he talks and tells her about how can I sin ultimately is how can I sin against God God is the one that has given him everything that he has every single success in the midst of all this trial and suffering and terrible terrible just betrayal you see, God is the one that had granted him success. Not only he, but the people around him, like Potiphar, knew it. It has to be God. 
when people look at your life, they're like, man, your life is blessed. It has to be God. And when temptation comes up, and that person is hot, mind you, if it wasn't hot, send shivers up your spine. I know and some people are like, that's so terrible. It's just true. It's just true. It's just the way it is. And some people are terrible. I'm terrible. But it's just true, right? Uh, it's, just, it's like, you know, Jacob turning around and seeing it wasn't Rachel and Leah. And he was like, oh, my, you know, that kind of thing. And it was a behold moment for him, too. <laughs> but <clears throat> who does that these days? It seems as though Joseph had a higher priority. He had something in his mind and his prayers constantly that even though this came up, he was able to answer, behold. It's like looking. You know you can't eat this thing. It's like looking at this cupcake. It's so delicious, so wonderful. And you're like talking to the cupcake because you know you can't eat it. You go, no! <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then you put it down, right? And then you pick up another cupcake and you start yelling at it for no reason. Um, <clears throat> Joseph does that. And he succeeds, but he has something behind that. And he knows that it's God. I can't sin against God. That's why I can't do this. And he's almost telling her as well as himself, this is something that we cannot do. This wickedness we cannot do. But in verse 10, it says, she spoke to Joseph even after that. It says day after day. The little words is day, day. Day, day just means day after day after day after day after day after day. After day, she spoke to him day after day. That's what it means. And that will wear you down. It doesn't matter how strong or how much of a uh, kind of poem you've written. It's going to wear you down. And then one day, uh, he refused. And then we continue on. He, one day, he goes into the house to do work. Nobody was there. It's the perfect storm. Nobody was there except him and her. And she grabs him by the cloak. And you have to wonder, man, Joseph, because of his cloak, he was sold. Because of his cloak, he was grabbed by this mistress. I wouldn't blame Joseph if he never wore cloaks again. And if someone offered him cloak, he'd be like, no. <laughs> like there's this thing about him that he just hates cloaks. But she grabs him by the cloak and says the same thing. Sleep with me. Lie with me. But he, because he just couldn't take it, he just runs away, leaving his cloak behind. And this snaps the wife of Potiphar. Done. Mad. So she screams and lets everybody in the house to know that Joseph tried to rape her. She has this whole elaborate kind of speech prepared, and she yells and tells everybody in the house, this servant tried to rape me. And then what does she do? She sits and waits for the master, her husband, Potiphar, to come home. So you kind of picture this. She's infuriated. She holds the cloak, maybe puts it on the side, folds it up a little, 
and sits down and it's waiting. And as soon as Potiphar comes back home, she says the exact same speech with the exact same fury, except she adds one thing. She adds Hebrew. So now she has race into this. Now it doesn't matter if you say Hebrew, but if you put a race in it and you're not that race, it becomes a racist statement. That's the same thing as saying, look at this Korean guy. It becomes a racist thing, right? I could add anything to it. Look at this Mexican guy. Look at this African-American guy. Look at this white guy. Anything that you do, she emphasizes it because now she is separating. Anytime you put that race card in there, you're separating the two parties saying, look at the other. How dare the other do this to us? And she says it to Potiphar. And here we see Potiphar is so enraged so angry that he puts him in jail. But we see the Lord is still with him. And the Lord helps Joseph still succeed, no matter what, which is pretty amazing. Now, what are we supposed to see? After reading this story, now you got this story down, what are we to do? How are we supposed to live this out? Number one, we can see it this way, and it's very true. Fight temptation. Stop giving in so easily to temptation. Stop thinking, it's okay if I put my eyes on this person's gram, it's all good. Because that affects you. It affects your relationships. It affects how you see other people. But some might also think that we have to fight temptation because then God will bless us. But here, that's not the case. We see that Joseph was blessed even before he was tempted and after he was tempted. Joseph was blessed before and after. So why are we to fight temptation? Because it pleases the Lord. We are to fight temptation because it pleases the Lord. More than giving in to our whims and desires, we want to discipline ourselves to love the Lord. And that is what love is. Love is a discipline. You cannot be married for a long period of time without discipline. It's more than a feeling. More than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It really is. And some might say, when I see this, it's also about fighting injustice. And I would agree. Some might think by injustice, I only mean it to mean social injustice. This is not true. Injustice has to be fought in all its forms. When the apostles saw that people would try to extinguish the fire of God in the church of Christ with heresy, with antichrist coming up, they fought it. They fought for the freedom and joy that is found in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, even until death. Yes, injustice means we need to, fighting injustice means we need to also help the poor, help the needy. It absolutely does. 
That's why we go out to Bergen Regional, Hannah Missions, to the local and global mission agencies that we are a part of. But don't you dare think that's where it begins and ends. It begins and ends with our love and our passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And only in the gospel of Jesus Christ is there complete joy and freedom. Only in the gospel will people find that complete joy and freedom. The millennial generation are really good, really good at the latter. Post on social media, on all the social injustices that we see on Facebook, on our Instagram, albeit we may not all the time physically do much else, But when it comes to the matter of fighting temptation, our character is so easily swayed and so easily corrupted. When the tempter comes, we fall. Oh, so easily. The previous generations may look at the millennial generations and think they are of such weak character and that there's nothing to learn from or respect about them, but I do not think so. I believe the millennial generation is a reflexive momentum that they received because they saw the prior generations only cared about themselves. As long as I'm okay. Oh, I have problems? Don't tell a soul. Keep it confidential because it's still about me, me, me. The 80s were called the me decade or people that grew up in the 80s, the me generation for a reason. Many people felt that problems in society and politics couldn't be fixed. So you know what? Don't even bother. Let's focus on ourselves, creating the me generation. A lot of people nowadays, because they're into politics, they will lift up these previous presidents. I think all the presidents had strengths, but they also have flaws. But some are lifted up to this almost like uh, ideological, like godlike level, which I, I would say, no, this is false. Um, Reaganomics, people talk about a lot. And like, oh my, inflation, inflation fell from double digits to 4%, so did unemployment. Reagan, our savior. You know, I lived under Reagan, uh, he was a funny guy. But you know what also happened at the same time that we have to admit is that the income from the top 10%. And the 90%, all the way from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. So let's say we have income. So income from the top 10% maybe would come up to here from the floor. Income from the, top, uh, from the bottom 90% would also be around the same. So the top 10% earners and 90% earners are about the same. Once 80s hit, it jumped up. So if income went up a little, uh, the for, for the, I'm sorry, if income went up a little for 90, the top 10% went up 50%, this much. And now we see post-80s, into the 90s, we see 150% plus gap between the bottom 90 and the top 10%. And in fact, that's why the millennials were marching down because they didn't know how to handle this huge gap between the rich and the poor. Many of you economics nerds will come up to me and talk to me about the incarceration rate of low-income families that spiked up in the 80s as well, and et cetera. 
you're welcome to do so. If you think you are an economics expert, please come talk to Pastor Esther or Pastor Paul. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, but the point is, but the point is, rather than focusing on the good of the whole, people only cared about what they would be satisfied and happy with. What makes you happy? Do that. What makes you happy? Ironically enough, while the millennials are reactive to the me decade and generations, we still could not get away from the vanity, self-absorption, malcontent that all the previous generations sought so desperately to, and tried to get away from. That's why we must realize that ultimately when we say we are fighting, fight temptation, fight injustice, when we say we are fighting, we are fighting against evil or the evil one. This is precisely why the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we say we are fighting temptation and fighting injustice, we are ultimately saying we are fighting evil. Then giving in to this evil, subscribing to evil is what brings vanity, what brings self-absorption, what brings malcontent, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, and the list goes on and on and on. The years go on and you just continue tacking on things to that list. But here it is. What we see here, what we are encouraged by is don't give up. Don't give up and fight. But I always seem to fail though. I'm tired of fighting. Our, but I would argue that giving up is not an option. And I will agree with you though that you will fail. In fact, it's impossible to achieve this on your own. But here, remember my favorite food? Talk about the burger. What is this passage burgered by? What's the two buns? In verse 2 and 21, the scripture says, the Lord was with Joseph. In verse 21, it says that the Lord showed Joseph steadfast love. The word steadfast love is translated this way because no one word can describe the Hebrew word chesed. And you got to put in that phlegm to say it. You gotta, you gotta get that guttural sound, chesed, and then wipe your lips, right? You gotta do that. Because chesed is a covenantal love. It means that this overflowing and incredibly gracious love is literally saying to us and you, I got you. We can fight because God is with us and he is for us. Uh, one of the things I don't like to share about a lot is myself, but I was compelled to share a little bit. I am currently engaged, and I have, I'm going through some marriage counseling because I need a lot of counseling in general. But I'm going through some marriage counseling, and Reverend Yang, who's the KM pastor, is counseling myself and my fiance, and we were supposed to share, like, what's the other partner's weakness? And then we shared. <clears throat> and mine was, oh, by the way, uh, I, I told her I'd be sharing this. Um, mine was, I feel like her weakness is that she's too young. 
Um, some people make random comments like, wow, she's young, and that would actually affect me. And then I realized something. I realized I'm embarrassed because I'm weak. <laughs> I'm embarrassed because I can't cover her. I'm embarrassed and that's my weakness. I couldn't stand up for her and say, you don't respect her because of her age. You respect her out of your respect for me and the one who called me to be your pastor. And I confess that even from pre-day one, it hasn't even been day one, I failed. And I shared this with Reverend Yang in marriage counseling to which he responded, okay, but we're talking about her weaknesses. <laughs> uh, anyway. Going back to the story of Joseph, you could ask, if he had chesed, why would he go to jail? How is going to jail chesed God? I feel like I'm in jail. You, you say that I have chesed, but I feel like I'm in jail. But you know what? It was normal. If you tried to commit rape or adultery, it was normal that Joseph would, should have been and would have been killed. Attempted rape was a capital offense. It says here in the Bible that Potiphar was enraged and he was angry. In fact, his anger was kindled. And if you look at the language that's being used, you can see his face turns red and you can almost see steam coming out from his head. But it doesn't say against whom. It doesn't say against whom. Potiphar's wife told him that story. Potiphar was a powerful man. In fact, maybe even second to the highest in Egypt. Or at least there were only a, barely a handful between him and Pharaoh. If someone did that to his wife, he would have been killed. In fact, he was not. When Joseph was put in prison instead, but what kind of prison was this? Was this any kind of prison? If you read here carefully, it says this prison was the king's prison. This is where the king put his prisoners. It was a place where only the pharaoh or king had access to. The wife of such a powerful man would have no problem getting to anywhere she wanted. Where's the one place she couldn't go? And Joseph was put there. This covenantal love, this chesed that we have with God, isn't just any kind of covering. The covering of chesed is given to us in full and complete form through Jesus Christ. When I was weak, he is strong. When I faltered, he was there. Though my situations change, I can almost be killed and sold into Egypt, go down to the depths of death. Though Joseph's situations change, and they change drastically and dramatically, God's relationship with him stayed the same. 
In Psalm 118, 13, it says, I was pushed hard, so hard that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. 94, 18, when I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, help me up. 37, 24, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. In Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. What's your fight today? Fight it. What's your fight? Fight it. It's worth the fight. It's worth the struggle. And we are able to fight the good fight because God is with us. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith because God wants to give you the eternal life which you were made for. Fight the good fight because know this, you are covered in chesed. You are covered in the blood of of Jesus Christ. So as I close, I want to ask you this question. What's your fight? Fight it. Let's pray.